You may be a Doctor Who podcast, but I'm the Doctor Who podcast. The definite article, you might say. And welcome to episode 17 of the DWP, the Doctor Who podcast. In this episode, we'll be reviewing Amy's Choice. Will we love it? Will we hate it? What will we think? All will be revealed very soon. Tell you, Tom, I'm falling in love with that voice. Very I want to marry it. Very impressed. <laughs> hey, guys, how you going? Not bad, man. How are you? Yes. Good, good, good. I tell you, it's wonderful to have all three of us back in the camper van. It, it seems like ages since we've all been together. Mm, yeah, this, for one reason okay? or another. Yeah. <laughs> are we okay to do this? Is there, is there not some sort of time paradox that's going to be created if we try to record the same podcast together? Anyway, it's lovely to see you both, or hear you both. Same here, same here. And But what are we here for today? I think we're here today to have a bit of a talk about the latest episode of the Matt Smith era. Amy's Choice, quite a, a perplexing little episode, I think, and uh, mm. we should get into having a chat about that very, very soon, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well, yeah, definitely. I've, I've, I've just finished watching it for the second time, which I think confirms me as a fan. Uh, what, uh, uh, well, I was going to start talking, but I think, Trev, what did you make of it? What did I make of it? Oh, do I get to be first this week? Cool, 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 cool. I really haven't made my mind up yet, to be perfectly honest, but that's not in a sort of like it or hate it type of way. I'm still sitting here with the feeling of, isn't it fantastic to see Doctor Who doing an episode like this? An an episode you really can't pin down. It's not an action adventure. It's it's not a comedy romance. Um, It's not really a sci-fi story. It's one of these wonderful, mind-altering type experiences that we get in Doctor Who occasionally. And sometimes they're done well. Sometimes they're they're done quite badly. But for me, I'll I'll probably be on the side of the fence of um, this is a, a... incredibly intriguing story with with some fantastic performances and i think at the end of the day probably once i've seen it for a second time mm. i'm going to fall on the side of well this this was a, a really interesting enjoyable experience james i thought it was spectacular i thought it was whoa wow. superb i completely engaged by it and i thought it was well perhaps not original because I think it used very similar kind of plot device that Turn Left used. But having said yep. that, everything else I thought was utterly engaging, completely riveting. I wish I'd seen Rory in this episode prior to anything else that he's been in, because I actually liked him in this episode, whereas before he's just been a cheap imitation of Mickey for me. But yeah, there are so many things that I liked about this episode, and I'm really looking forward to, to getting stuck into the analysis. But before we do... Tom, you're chomping at the bit, clearly. I thought it was great. I thought there were shades of the mind robber in it. I thought there were shades of the celestial toy maker in it, both of which comparisons I'm sure will be made ad infinitum. I think this is the sort of story that Doctor Who 
excels at um, because it is playing with time, it is playing with reality, and it and it's a very strong character piece as well, particularly for the Doctor. One of my notes here is um, this is Doctor Who's Renaissance. It's brilliant, absolutely fantastic. I'm going to stick my neck out even further and say that I think this is an episode that the American audiences are going to love because I sat here watching this going. I can't really pin this down as being similar to any Doctor Who I've seen before, but it's so similar to sci-fi that every American sci-fi show does, where we have the heroes of of that particular franchise in some form of alternate reality or or dream sequence or, um, you know, sort of hologram-type situation where they're trying to figure out what's real and what's not. Every single series does it. Star Trek, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate, Mm. Farscape, Mm. all those sort of things do it. I really think the Americans are going to lap this up. Do you think it was done in a very stereotypical way, though? Because I think the parallel universe thing, yeah, I agree. You always get alternate realities, parallel universe, whatever you want to call it in sci-fi shows. But I've never seen it done like this before. I think I'll probably hark back to the whole idea that there's no real new stories out there, that there are pretty much seven basic stories. Um, It doesn't really matter how it's set up. It's what we get in the end that we get our main protagonists trying to find out what's real and what's not. Now, whether that's a dream sequence, whether it's an alternate universe, doesn't really matter. That's, Mm. That's the mechanics. The bulk of the story is our heroes coming to grips with this particular situation, not coming to grips with mm, how they got into it to start with. And oh. One of the things that I, I liked more than anything here is that although it was written by Simon Nye, and he's a newcomer to, to Doctor Who, he's never written a Doctor Who script before, this so clearly had Stephen Moffat's fingerprints all over it. And the reason being is because he chooses these yeah. things that children are scared of. We've already had shadows, we've had the dark, but all manner of things. He, he, he chooses childhood fears and then mm. kind of turns them into really mm. large episodes. And of course... What is every small child not particularly keen on? Old people. And he turns them into villains. I'm waiting for the phone calls on that one. I'm yes. waiting for the phone calls and letters. How dare you show people attacking an old woman? So yada, 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 yada. It's got to happen. <laughs> do, do you know what? I couldn't stop laughing when, when that old lady got knocked out of the window and fell all the way down the outside of the house. I, 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 I had one of those belly laughs that I, I, I've never, ever had watching Doctor Who before because it led straight into the scene in, in, in the... Um, reality that we were in at the time where Rory then died and I still had a smile on my face from seeing this old age pensioner bouncing down the outside of a house (laughs) so I I thought it was absolutely great and if you combine something like one foot in the grave with alien this is what you get um, because you had the alien monster coming out of the mouth and this is why I think it's interesting Trove although you're saying it's you know it it is a very standard kind of sci-fi a trick to use an alternative reality. Who else would have thought of putting old people, you know, in the same kind of visual space as some horrible alien that even made me jump? I mean, these old people were sinister. They were really scary. Definitely creepy. Very, very creepy indeed. Well, I think when they opened their mouths in that sort of theory from the deep way, and the and the eye came out of the mouths, it's like. Ugh. You know, I, I, what other what other show could do that? What other show could make a, a, a could, could, could actually make you take a step back like that and be genuinely re- repulsed? It was great. It's absolutely brilliant. You know, Doctor Who is, or clearly one of Doctor Who podcasts, but it is without doubt the best thing on television, bar none at the moment. It's fantastic.
creature, is that I and her man? There's a whole creature inside her, inside all of them. They've been there for years, living and waiting. That is disgusting. They're not going to be peeping out of anywhere else, are they? Leave them, leave them. Talk to me. Talk to me. You are ethnodines. A proud, ancient race. You're better than this. Why are you hiding away here? Why aren't you at home? We were driven from our planet by upstart neighbours. The, the whole concept of what was the dream and what was reality was kind of deadened for me a little bit because the whole thing in the village was just so outrageously weird that I thought, well, surely this has to be the dream. Well, but it did in a way. It did in a way because, yes, I agree with you. And I think that was quite deliberate. You were supposed to think, well, this village is clearly the dream. Amy's pregnant. It's Rory's reality. And then it catches you off guard at the end because I didn't see the fact that both realities were not realities. They were both dreams. I didn't see that coming at all. Not until yeah, no, that exactly happened, no. you see. I always, always thought that the village and North Letchworth or whatever it was or Upper Letchworth was was a dream but i think that was what the writer was trying to trying to do is give you that kind of you know deep down assurance well it's only going to be a matter of time before this is dispelled completely and it didn't happen and that's what i thought was really good and i think too it really serves as a wonderful case of massive misdirection too that hmm. while you're trying to figure out what's real and what's not um what the reality is pardon the pun is that both of them were dreams and it it takes the doctor to realize that I think about halfway through the episode, he, he says to um, the Dream Lord um, that he knows who he is, but infuriatingly, he doesn't let his companions or the audience in on who he thinks he is. For me, that was a little bit of a failing of it, that the Doctor knew what was going on by, by about the 25-minute mark. Oh, oh that's, that's a hard one. I mean, if he had have said it, that would have been it. That would have been the end of episode in 25 minutes. I suppose too, but why put everyone through that pain? Why have Amy see Rory die? Why have all that sort of stuff going on when the Doctor had it figured out by the halfway point? Because this is a character piece about the Doctor, because this is about his own self-loathing and, uh, and his own doubts about himself, himself and his own character. Uh, if you've got you've got the Dream Lord uh, absolutely berating him all the way through. Um, so, okay, let me put this a slightly different way. Um, so with, when, when we're watching Christopher Eccleston, you can see there's a lot of survivor guilt there and, he's, and the Doctor is down on himself in a very vis visible way. Um, <clears throat> there are references to this, to the Doctor getting out of control. Um, so references back to uh, the Waters of Mars and the Last of the Time Lords. But the whole character of the Dream Lord, or the Valiard, if you like. Um, oh, you said it. Yeah. You said it. You said it. <laughs> let, let, let's let's come back to that because Tom, you're in the middle of making a great point, yes. and then you just tripped yourself up. So go on. Let's let's just put Sorry. the Valiard on hold. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. So so you've got um, the Doctor absolutely doing a wonderful character piece. Well, this is a great character piece for the character of the Doctor because his own self-loathing and guilt, more than anything else. Guilt is right to the fore, fore of this. He always abandons his character. He always abandons his companions. Um, he likes the company of the young people. He won't. Even, he, 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 you believe he, he, that he, he trusts you, but he won't even tell you his name. All of these things about the Doctor, which, which just. Trev, you know, the word you used was misdirection. The, what this, what this episode is doing for me, anyway, is setting up the whole question again of Doctor Who. 
Who is this guy? What is he up to? What, what, why is he doing this? How old is it? How old is he? 907? I thought you were 950. What's go- it, it's brilliant. You know, a, a great character piece. Also, you mentioned that to the Doctor doesn't say what's going on, but if you look at it again, Amy's got it inside the first couple of scenes. Cold start, that can't be right. She's only guessing. She, she, she isn't sure. But what, what I want to say about that point, Tom, was mm. that I agree with what you're saying. It, it's, it's a fantastic way of looking at it. But I came away from the episode on my one and only viewing so far thinking it wasn't so much about a deep struggle against you know the Doctor's evil id or, or alternate personality. But to, to me, it, it was a more basic level about his subconscious forcing the Doctor mm. to make a decision for Amy or, or, or to help Amy make a decision about just who the heck is she going to spend her time with? Is she going to travel with the Doctor or is she going to live with Rory? Mm. And it was a way for the, the Doctor's subconscious to give him a kick in the pants and say, come on, mate, make a decision. Stop dancing around. Stop jumping out of uh, cakes. Mm. Stop prancing around Venice. Make a decision. Mm. Make Amy realise who she really wants to be with. To, to mm. me, that, that seemed to be a real core of this episode. Well, it, it may well be. And I think on a higher level, it may have been to address the absolute aberration of the last five minutes of Flesh and Stone because people will say this kind of episode was necessary now because you've actually got a conclusion as to how Amy feels about Rory and not the Doctor. Now, people will say, as I said, that it's, it's an absolutely necessary story to have, so it addresses that. I mean, I would argue against that, incidentally. I would say that it was never necessary to raise the question in the first place, and if you don't raise a question, you therefore don't have to answer it. Um, but going back to what Tom said earlier on, uh, in terms of character development in for, for the Doctor, and I, I agree with you in spades there, and this is really very, very wrong, Tom. We're not supposed to agree. Have you not, you know, the Constitution, you know, we do not agree. Um, but I do, I do on this occasion, very, very much so. And uh, and I think there was a line in the episode before, considered the fact that the Dream Lord could be the Doctor, where he said, someone must hate me this much. I can't remember the exact words yep. now. And of course, it turns out that the only person in the universe who hates him this much is himself. And I think that is carefully considered. You think about how angry the 11th Doctor has been. I think, I mean, what was well, the seventh episode now, I think? Every single episode in this season or series, we have seen the Doctor either throw a strop or behave extremely, what we would consider as Doctor Who fans, out of character. And I just think this this episode, you might be right here, Trev, as well. It could be a case of saying, right, we are now established. We know where who fits where. We've got the Doctor as the Doctor. We've got Amy as the companion, not some kind of besotted teenager. We've got Rory, who's now a more rounded and a more confident person instead of a pseudo Mickey. And now we're going to go ahead and have the conclusion to this series over the next six episodes. Mm. And let's hope, let's hope yeah, that is the way... Brilliant in which it's going. I mean, if, if we get these um, Silurians putting us back to where we were just yep. after victory of the Daleks, then oh, I'm going to be worried. But everything about this episode, not just the actual story, but everything it's telling me about the series at this moment of time is encouraging and reassuring. Absolutely. I mean, it. we, we really seem to have closed a particular chapter in this series that we've figured out finally, or Amy's figured out, I should say. We've been there to watch it. She's figured out who she wants to be with forever and ever, and she's chosen Rory. Fantastic, wonderful, let's move on. Um, to, to me, that still doesn't explain why we had the last five minutes of Flesh and Stone. I really still do not understand that because I'm not a fan of being bludgeoned over the head with plot points like we did in that last five minutes. I still don't see the reason for it, and 
this episode, I think, even reinforces that we didn't need it. It th- There's still no need for it. I mean, unless they're going to do something really weird in the last half of the season, there is no need for the last five minutes of Flesh and Stone at all. I think there's a big reset coming. I really do. Um, this whole, ooh, I, I wub you thing with the companions on the Doctor had to be addressed so that it could be shut down again. Um, Why? You know, the companion will Why? shoot... The com- because it's been happening for it's been going on for the last five years that whole Rose thing the whole Martha bit Donna was a welcome release apart from that I bloody love you but the thing is though the thing is with Donna they didn't make a big point of saying this is this is what we're doing now this is the direction that we're going in Uh, with the exception perhaps of maybe a couple of lines at the end of Partners in Crime where there was that misunderstanding about Mm. whether or not she wants to mate the Doctor or not but that was that was done in such a good, clever way. And I never thought I'd say that about a Russell T. Russell T. Davis script. But if you then compare that to what they were allegedly trying to do at the end of Flesh and Stone, then they they really messed it up, in my view. It would have been a lot easier simply just not to address it. Why can't we just have a companion who's not interested in the Doctor? That in itself hasn't been done before since the program returned. It's either been full-on love affair with Rose. It's been unrequited love with Martha. It's been, hey, I'm not going there with Donna. Why can't we just just have a relationship without having to bring the dynamics of that relationship to the foreground? Because it overtakes and distracts and detracts from the story being told. And that's what happened with Flesh and Stone. It was a good story that was undermined. I mean, you listen to all of these podcasts at the moment talking about it. What are they talking about? The last five minutes, we're doing the same. It's disproportionate. The vast majority of that episode was brilliant, as far as I'm concerned. It was very, very good. And and yet I haven't spoken... But I haven't spoken about that. What I've spoken about is the last five minutes. And it's irritating because Trev is right. It should never have been there. And we're still talking about it. Although I suppose <laughs> that's my fault a bit because I did bring it up. But... Let's let's change tax a bit. Mm. I want to talk about the fantastic performance of Toby Jones oh, yeah. as the yes, Dream yes. Lord. Um, he, I think he's the one that binds this entire episode together. Um, he's one of those actors that you see appear occasionally in movies. He's he's um, certainly done plenty of movies like Elizabeth and uh, Finding Neverland mm. and Amazing Grace, where he's had small but pivotal roles. Mm. And I think in this we we have the same sort of thing that while he's a major character. He's still a very small and pivotal role. And, and, and I was absolutely mesmerised by his performance yeah. in this. It was fantastic. He was truly creepy. Truly creepy. Who mm. do we think he was? Um, can, can, we, can, we, can we ask about who, who do we think he was? I think he was Gordon Brittus uh, from the <laughs> British Empire. <laughs> do you get the British Empire in Australia, Trevor? My word, yes. One of my favourite uh, series. I love do it. you not think he was a slightly diluted <laughs> Gordon Brittus? I think to my credit that when I watched it, yeah. I, I think to Toby's credit that I never really compared him to anyone while I was watching it. That he, he did such a wonderfully, for me, unique performance that uh, I, I wasn't sitting there going, "Oh, that's British," or that might be, you know, Basil Fawlty or something like that. You chose this world. Well done. You got it right. And with only seconds left. That's fair. Let's warm you up. I hope you've enjoyed your little fictions. It all came out of your imagination, so uh, I'll leave you to ponder on that. I have been defeated. I shall withdraw. Farewell. 
I think we should cover a few things, and we should probably cover the big skeleton first. Okay. Is this the closest the new series will get to having a Valyard character? I think that we've seen the, the introduction of the of the season's big bad. I really do. You know, the, the, a, a complex space-time event where the Doctor is fighting with an aspect of himself, and there's that reflection in the TARDIS console at the very end of the episode. I think... I think we've seen the beginning of the big bad. The other thing about this is there's well, there's two things. Number one, the titles are getting more violent. Um, the, the, the TARDIS is spinning harder. The lightning is getting more, is getting hard is is getting more more bright as well. Um, and really, yes, definitely, absolutely. I thought that too, but I put it down to my. Just getting things wrong. So the titles are actually changing, are they, Tom? I believe so. I looked at it. This, I looked at it. I thought. I thought so last week. I looked at it this week, and I thought, no, that's definitely harder than it was the week before. Um, the other thing about this is the I theme. All the way through this so far, we're being told, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. So the, I, I think we've seen the introduction of the, of the big bad. Um, um, you know, last week it was I'm a complex space time event. I'm gonna, sorry, last week, uh, two weeks ago, I'm, I'm going to feed myself to this crack. Two elements of space and time that should never have met, and there is the Doctor talking to himself. So I, I, I think it's, I think it's really lighting up now. I think, I, th- I think we're into the, yeah. I think, we're, I think we're into the, uh, the, the stride of it, shall we say? And it's tremendously exciting. It's great. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. I think. I mean, I think if they didn't have that scene at the end with the reflection yeah. in the TARDIS console, then we'd probably put the Dream Lord down to a, like a one episode thing. Mm. But seeing the reflection, having one of the last lines from the Dream Lord saying, "I will withdraw for now," that's not like saying, "Oh, I'm going bye bye forever." Mm. He's saying, "Well, I'm heading off now." But I'm, 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 I'm not so back. sure. Every single character Stephen Moffat has had a hand in has returned. Captain Jack, River Song. How many times have we sat around saying, well, are we going to see them again? And, you know, you could say the same about the fish people in Venice last uh, last week. You know, are we going to see them again? Because there was still the possibility of um, of them coming back at the end. There was no direct addressing of the fact that they that they died. I, I'm not so sure. I, I think this is as close as we're going to get to the Valiard, yes. Um, I, I don't think... Anyone will pick up on that apart from oh, yeah, us definitely, Who definitely. fans, and I think that is intended. It's it it it's a very very subtle well <laughs> yeah. subtle. It, it it's it's actually it's quite a headbutt really. Um, to to us classic fans, this is this is the Valiard. I think the reflection in the TARDIS console at the end. Is, I thought that was just to reiterate a plot point that there's more to this character than meets the eye. And mm. I think we're going to see Daleks, and I think we're going to see River Song at the end of this series. If we do see the Dream Lord again, then I think it will probably be next series. There were a couple of really nice nods to the classic series. Um, I'm yeah. sure you both picked up on that jump to time track line. Space Museum. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, mm. And Trev, the, um, there was the reference to the time monster in that prop with the... Um, the moment I saw it, I was like, "Time monster!" Because I, I love the I love the corkscrew and that, that, that sort of the way its arms rose. And I thought, "Oh, we're only talking about this last yep. week." <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Well, I am I am glad I wasn't alone there. That was what they used to try and jumpstart the TARDIS through some kind of egg whisk, wasn't it? It was it was a corkscrew yeah. at the end of it instead of two forks on a cork. So I thought that was a, a and as well. isn't it funny that that prop had the same sort of effect that the prop from Time Monster oh, well. did? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are cynic. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you are a very, very cynical on that particular element. I, I think this this episode, Amy's Choice, it did serve a purpose. And it actually, mm. it, well, they'd already taken all of the power out of the TARDIS and they needed to see the scanner 
Therefore, they invented a device that could temporarily give them a view of the scanner. Time Monster, I'm more inclined to agree with you. Having said that, I still think the character interaction in that little scene is excellent. But no, I don't think it was mm. pointless. And I, I can't identify one scene within modern Doctor Who that is utterly pointless. We have to grow up eventually. Mm. Says who? Ah, Rory, wind. Uh, Amy, could you attach this for the monitor, please? I was promised amazing worlds. Instead, I get Duff Central Heating and a weird kitcheny wind-up device. It's a generator. Get winding. Not enough! Rory, wind! Why is the Dream Lord picking on you? Why us? I'm not sure that this is Rory competing with the Doctor. I think it's the Doctor competing with Rory. He wants the companions. He likes the... As, as um, the Dream Lord says, you like him young, don't you, Doctor? Um, perhaps it distracts him from how old he is and how jaded he's become. But I think it's more about uh, the Doctor competing with Rory. I think there's an awful lot of old man. You, you know, you know when you go to, when you go out, sometimes you see men who are way past it trying to big themselves up as if they're young, and it's like, oh, it's <laughs> pathetic. I wonder if that's not what not, not what's going on with the Doctor because he's like, oh yeah, I've still got it. I've still got well, it. Ju still got judging it. from judging from our pre-record conversation, I would say that all three of us qualify on that basis as well. <laughs> certain individual who loses memory of about six hours last night and comes back and finds himself the owner of a rather expensive guitar. Oh. It's a good point. Well made, Mr. Tom. Don't. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Tom, I think maybe that that's the way the doctor thinks of himself, but really you, you, you are railing against my core beliefs of what I think Doctor Who is. If I, Go on. If, if for one minute you think the doctor is some sort of, Lothario who, who wanders out picking up young women. No, that's, that's no, no. not what Doctor Who was about. No, I'm not saying that at all, but, I'm, but I'm, I'm saying that the man knows he's old. I, look, I also think the thing that's coming up very, very shortly, the big reset is the, is the regeneration limit. Um, because we're getting towards the end of it and there's a lot of focus on you've not got long left, time, time, time. If, if you listen to the music in this, this week's episode, it's ticking all the way through it. I think the reset that I keep banging on about is that the regeneration limit is going to get cancelled in some spectacular way at oh, the end of this season. Quite, quite, very, very quite possibly. But let me just go back to what you were saying a little bit earlier, Tom, because I'm afraid it's happened again. I agree with you. And uh, mm. I think that's... As I said, it's becoming even more worrying because I'm normally with Trev on most things here. But no, I think this this particular um, episode again, it was very, very similar uh, to, to season one. And I mean, back in 1963, I, I'm thinking in particular of this is our inside the spaceship. Mm. We were all talking, you know, six, seven weeks ago about, oh, let's get a TARDIS based episode. This is the closest we're going to get it because there was virtually 50% of the plot took place inside the TARDIS. You are right with the character pieces. Um, Edge of Destruction was very much there to define the characters as we knew them at the time, despite the fact they changed massively after that particular story too. Um, so I'm hoping that's not going to happen. But I think this episode was today. You had a chance to get to know these characters on a kind of surface level. We're now going to root them. We're now going to root them within the context of this series. And yep. that's what I'm hoping... Um, we are going to see because if they start playing around with roles again, 
in terms of who is the companion, who is the interloper, who is actually in mm. charge, who's the protagonist, then they're leaving it very late in the series before they can bring the Doctor in as yep. the you know all-conquering hero at the end of the series, as as, as they always do. Um, and secondly, I, this this thing mm. about um, the Doctor feeling mm. old, well, come on, he's the last of his kind, and humans generally only live to about 70 or 80, so he's going to be hanging around with people who are considerably younger than him. Um, one question I've been meaning to ask the pair of you um, for the last mm. couple of weeks, and again, this was... Um, this came up, first of all, in um, Flesh and Stone, and we were so consumed with other events in that episode, I forgot to ask you both. Um, but 907, have we not missed a couple of years here? Wasn't it 905 in Voyage of the Damned or something, or 903? This Doctor has either lost count again, or we really had slipped a time trap, because I think we were missing a couple of his years. Do you know, it, it, uh, when, I heard, when he said 907, I'm bound to forget stuff... It sort of flashed in my head, like, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. But that just brings me back to what I was saying to you to both earlier on. It's this whole thing, this whole season is about pay attention, pay attention. I don't think it's going to be like an Agatha Christie novel where suddenly the, the, the catalyst appears in episode 13 or whatever. Um, but, you, no, but you're right, it's significant. We, I think we, we, we both agree mm, about this thing mm, about Stephen mm. Moffat not being a lazy writer. Uh, so everything that we're being told, we need to know, even the smallest things. Um, and when Laura uh, picked up on the uh, on the two Doctors thing in Flesh and Stone, i.e. one Doctor leaves in, a, in his shirt and then another Doctor arrives in his jacket, being very tender and very uh, tactile with Amy. It's little things like that that I think we need to pay attention to. So yes, I think there is a significance to the 907 part of it as okay. well. Definitely. I think you're probably right. The most important thing for me in this entire... I'm really very desperate to get both of your opinion on Rory's ponytail. <laughs> was that a result of a drunk night down a pub and someone decided to play, hey, let's stick the tail on the donkey or on the tail on the Rory? <laughs> um, for me, that wasn't even remotely convincing. It really wasn't. And, uh, you know, in, in an episode where we've got quite a lot of special effects, I particularly like the effect where everybody was reduced to little triangles of dust. I thought that was excellent. They couldn't seem to pay any real attention to getting Rory's hair right. It was awful, I thought. <laughs> No, 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 James. It it was absolutely perfect. I mean, I mean, for me, if if there's one word that describes for me Rory, it's pathetic. Um, he's he he is oh. still for me. No, no, but but pathetic in sometimes quite an adorable, life affirming type of way. I think still for me, he is still very much the Mickey character. He has shrugged off a few of those characteristics for me, but he's still very much like Mickey. And I think it was absolutely perfect spot on that in the five years since he in inverted commas left the TARDIS with Amy to, to start a family and get married he would think it would be really cool to grow a ponytail because it would make him unique in the village I mean I think that really comes down to what Doctor Who fans are like sometimes that that they want to create their own identity but but they're doing it within a certain parameter that can often be seen by others as quite narrow. different different and strange and narrow to, to, to me it, it was absolutely bang on it was beautiful what i'm complaining about is the fact that it looked like it was stuck on it was a dreadful prop <laughs> well again that that's that's just the whole thing of reinforcing Rory's character for me that he thinks it looks great. He thinks it looks wonderful. He thinks he's a unique trendsetter in the village, but he's wearing this hairstyle that's 40 years out of date for a start and it doesn't suit him at all. He reminded um, me of Pat Sharp. 
<laughs> to to I mean, I, I mean for me when when he makes that decision just before his death in the uh, room where he he chops it off to me that is one of the most character defining moments for Rory I've ever seen it was absolutely beautiful and and it was just such a shame that it happened right before his death are we missing something here they left the doctor 5 years ago and Amy and he are together and she's pregnant so they clearly left on relatively good terms because they stayed together do you see what I'm guessing at? Uh, and the doctor, the doctor doesn't. See, the, the doctor is visiting them. He's not surprised by that. Oh yeah, because you left. Why doesn't he know how they? Oh good God! All right, yeah. Why doesn't the, Why doesn't the doctor know how they left? He should know this because he's visiting them again. There's something weird. In, there's something very weird in Rory's reaction to the doctor as well. I, oh hello, yeah, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming. I think where we see him at the end of Vampires of Venice, for example, they're they're still not a permanently joined couple. That there's still Ooh. that doubt there, so certainly where we enter the episode Amy's Choice, there's still Ooh. that doubt there, so I think that's what, what that episode is playing on. It's also been written for the benefit of the audience, that there has to be that doubt there. And then to to suddenly mm. see that Amy and Rory are thriving and he's got a ponytail and she's about to have a baby. I don't think that's a particular yeah. stretch, that it, it's more for the benefit of the audience than the Doctor figuring out that something's a bit awry here. I don't. Why doesn't the doctor know how they left? Because it's the all. Whole, it, you know, he, does. The we... he does. He does. I'm sure he does. It's all part of that reality. He's deliberately coming back to say hello. The shock and surprise was the fact that she was pregnant or had just put on quite a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think in that particular reality, he did. He knew exactly why he was coming back. He was coming back to say hello. It was an accident. It was an accident. You think she so? said you, you turned up by accident? Definitely, it's in the script. Um, you've turned up here by accident, haven't you? Yeah, I've turned up by accident. Sorry. Was is it are the lines? But that's right, the thing. Why okay. doesn't he? Okay. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna just go and sit down and chew me f- and, and, and have a biscuit. But that that's only just occurred to me. Why doesn't he know? This is about forgetfulness and paying attention. Yeah. All right. Good. Go on. Please. Yeah. As as you were. We all know there's an elephant in the room. I have to be this size. I'm having a baby. No, no, the woman seemed real, but no. Is nobody going to mention Rory's ponytail? You hold him down, I'll cut it off. This from the man in the bow tie. Bow ties are cool. Oh, oh yes, and on the TARDIS as well. That was weird. Not in the TARDIS, on the TARDIS. Weird. Never mind. What was on the TARDIS? And the doctor, the doctor said, remember those old days on the TARDIS? Oh, is that, oh really? Which is okay. strange. I, I've really got to get out more. But clearly not, because if I go out, I drink. And if I drink, I'm bit on guitars that I can't afford. <laughs> oh, well. Your song will be ending soon. Well, I think that more or less covers all of the points that we wanted to discuss about this, this particular episode. Just wanted to check one last time. Tom, have you got any other deep, meaningful theories that you want to get off your chest before we go? Um, I want to reinforce that it's all about <laughs> eyes and paying attention and looking and seeing particularly with next week's episode in Silurians there's a mask coming off maybe, maybe the third eye is underneath that uh, frontest okay. piece of face Trevor right? anything profound from you before we go uh, no <laughs> okay <laughs> wonderful well in that case then that leads us into a nice conclusion of this episode thanks very much indeed for staying with us for the last 40 minutes or so listening to us just chew the cud really i think we're all really in agreement on this particular episode i think there's just quite a lot of little nuances and you can interpret them in various different ways so thoroughly enjoy talking to you guys as always 
And make sure you join us for the next episode of the Doctor Who podcast. Yes, please do. Okay, take it easy, KBO. Oh, edit that out. <laughs> you cannot have KBO in all of them. Because <laughs> it's, it's awful. <laughs> that was so four <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs> oh, Sorry. <laughs> Alright, that's no, okay. I'm really kidding. Have Bye a nice day. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. What is this pornographic filth that the BBC is spewing out upon us? <laughs>